Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. Hey, guys. So for today's episode, Emily and I realized that we're at over 100 episodes in. This is episode number 107. And... Some of you have been with us since the very beginning, or some of you might be new to being boss. So we thought that we'd take a moment to kind of interview each other and let you guys get to know us a little bit better about who we are and what we're up to and kind of maybe get a little bit more personal and behind the scenes with this one. I can't wait. <laughs> and as always, you can find everything that we mentioned, the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Hey guys, I want to take a second and talk a little bit about getting on track with your finances and your business. So there are a few ways you can stay organized, but I'm going to propose FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is the best way to send out invoices so that you can get paid faster. You can track your income and expenses and quickly pull reports to see exactly where you're at with your finances and your business. You can organize and keep track of your clients. You can even track your time right in FreshBooks. So try it for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. You know it's time to give it a try. All right. So we've got some pillars of what it means to be boss, and I thought it'd be cool to just go through each one and talk about how we use these in our personal and professional lives. So starting with mindset, I'm really super curious, Emily, how do you cultivate confidence? Like, how do you really build up confidence? And I kind of in general think of you as a really confident person. Do you ever get struck with insecurities? Are you ever freaked out or scared? Sometimes I cry into my pillow. That happens occasionally. Not very often, <laughs> but it does happen. I am a pretty confident person. I um, I grew up with parents who instilled in me a very strong sense of confidence that I could do whatever I wanted and be whoever I wanted to be. And um. And as ridiculous as this sounds, I was like a childhood beauty queen. Like I did pageants as a kid. What? Yeah. Did I know this? I don't <gasps> think I knew this. You were a pageant kid? I was a pageant kid. As I'm loving this episode already. <laughs> that was the thing. And it was nothing like, what is it? Toddlers and tiaras or whatever that crazy. It was nothing like that whenever I was a kid. It was um, a little more wholesome, I like to believe, at least through like my childhood lenses. And um, and apparently, I guess I was pretty good at it. People loved me. And um, that instilled a ton of confidence in me. I absolutely know that that is what gave me some level of poise, at least for a poor little Alabama girl, um, and quite a bit of confidence. So I think that my parents putting me through that as a kid and letting me try things like I, you know, I did volleyball for a while and softball and I did um, 
I was a majorette for a minute. I did flag in high school and I was in the band. Like I did all the things because my mom really encouraged me to try as much as I wanted to try. Um, so for me, even now, when if I'm ever having like one of those cry in the pillow moments, um, one of the things that always pulls me out of that is thinking about the proof that I have in terms of I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can accomplish whenever I pick myself up and do the thing. So on the daily, I am a pretty confident person. And that's just come from many years of of doing things and failing over and over, but also always picking myself up and reaching my goals or making it do in whatever way, whatever way I'm trying. Um, so for me now, continuing with the confidence that I have is around looking back and seeing the proof that I have that I can do hard shit. And I feel like that's how I keep it in moments of doubt. Mm. Right? What about you? You are also badass post-apocalyptic Kathleen, your bitch boots and your crazy ass hair every couple of months. (laughs) When do you ever feel like not owning it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I should mention a little bit of my background, which is that I grew up in the medieval fair, like juggling as a little jester in the court. Right. So I was the princess. (laughs) And I was the freak show. In the medieval fair, and I did it for a long time. So I learned how to juggle whenever I was eight, and that gave me a lot of confidence. But then I always felt a little bit like an outsider in middle school and high school. I was always voted most nonconformist. And so I had this idea that popularity might give me confidence. And as our show itself grows and we grow as experts in our career, I thought that getting the validation of likes and fan letters and all the amazing things I love engaging with with our audience on would make me feel confident. But I have learned that popularity does not make me feel confident. If anything, it has shaken my confidence more than ever. And I know that sounds like real like, oh, boohoo. Sorry about you. But it's true. Like if anything, Um, success itself has shaken my confidence and I know that it has for a lot of the bosses listening because we've heard them say it like they're scared of success as much as they are a failure and I've experienced that I also think that another thing that has really shaken my confidence over the past couple of years is having a kid and like I mean nothing will make you feel like you don't know what you're doing than being at the mercy of a toddler (laughs) but You know, coming back around to then my experience of kind of being most nonconformist or learning how to juggle whenever I was eight, I'm realizing that there's a difference between confidence and self-esteem. And what I really want to cultivate is self-esteem. And this is going to sound really weird, but I dropped something down my sink the other day and I had to take my sink apart by myself. Jeremy was outside doing something, some lawn work. And I took my sink apart by myself, got the thing out of the drain. It was a bottle of essential oil. And (laughs) thank you for clarifying because it could have been anything. I mean, it could have been anything. It was a bottle of (laughs) 
peppermint essential oil. I dropped it down the sink. I took the sink apart. I put it back together. And I felt like such a badass. Like, forget closing on a book deal. Forget buying homes. Forget launching a six-figure business. Like, I need to take apart a sink and put it back together to feel confident and to build some self-esteem. Right. I love that. Like, and bringing it to that really practical level of like doing shit, doing hard things that you've never done before. I think that's hugely powerful. Like whenever, whenever I was a kid again, like my mom was the one who would like lay the hardwood floor. Or Yeah, my mom too would like tile the floor. I distinctly yes. remember we all did this together as a family. <laughs> it was a little janky. Right. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. But um, but I think there's so much to be said about doing things like that. Um, I feel like our I don't know, maybe our culture does or doesn't, depending on where you are, um, really makes a lot of the hard tasks either just handing them off, delegating them to someone else. And we preach it all the time, like delegate that shit for sure. But sometimes whenever I need a boost of confidence, I'm going to go like, I don't know, assemble a bookcase or something that comes with clear instructions for sure. I'm not going (laughs) to figure it out from the ground up, but, but really sort of solving some sort of puzzle and doing something with my hands, I think does bring me back to, um, to a level of mindfulness and accomplishment that helps fuel confidence, maybe even when I'm not really feeling it that much. So I love that a ton. Along with confidence, I think that I think that one of the things that I like to bring into the boss mindset as much as possible is super mindfulness. And I, I almost feel like that mindfulness or even self-awareness really lends itself hugely to, to confidence and um, self-esteem. I think it's a lot easier to cultivate your own self-esteem when you are being self-aware. Whereas if you're never like getting in touch with who it is that you are or what it is that you're feeling, it's really hard to think that what you're doing or what you're feeling is worth anything. So I feel like that's something that recording this podcast for over two years now has really forced me to do is become really self-aware. Like I don't want to be the crackpot who's just talking shit and not living it. So as we are talking about, you know, being a boss and having the right mindset, what does that mean? And for me, it's self-awareness and allowing that self-awareness to bring confidence into my life and owning it. Because I think that's another piece too. Like you can be self-aware and have reasons to feel confident, but if you don't own it and choose to feel confident, you won't. Amen. All right, let's get into habits and routines. I would love to hear kind of like a personal professional mix of the day in the life of what it's like to be Emily Thompson. (laughs) It's not very exciting. It's funny. I'm recording this and I'm literally wearing this shirt that I slept in last night. (laughs) I was just joking that I'm not wearing a bra, (laughs) but it was like sweater, right? And yoga pants. I love how this turned into what are you wearing? Right. So let me tell you about how glamorous my day is, is really what what this is going at. Um, So I usually wake up about 630 or 7 and I spend the first hour of my day usually in bed because my floors are really creaky in my house and I don't want to wake Lily up because that means like life has to start. (laughs) So I usually lay in bed and read the news 
or um, play some two dots on my phone or maybe I'll get my journal out and journal or if I'm really feeling productive, I'll get the laptop in bed and do some things. But I just sort of spend the first hour, hour and a half of my day just doing whatever the hell I want to from the bed or sometimes I'll sneak off to the living room and hang out on the couch quietly alone because as an introvert, that is super important for me. Um, At about 8 a.m., Lily comes out of her room and we start our day. We make David get up. And just to clarify, Lily is your eight-year-old daughter. Yes, she's my eight-year-old daughter. Um, And and you only have one child. Yeah, I only have the one, um, only one child-age child. There is still David, who is my partner. Oh, goodness. (laughs) He is getting out of bed at eight, too, because Lily is coming into the room and telling him to get out of bed. Um, So we all get up and usually do breakfast. Um, Lily is homeschooled, so at that point, we usually tell her to go get her journal or handwriting notebook and just do something while we're prepping breakfast, or we make her get ready, or she does the trash or whatever. So I usually spend uh, the morning with my family. I drink a hot cup of tea, Um, and between nine and ten, I'll usually scoot into the studio and um and start work usually go through my email um get some tasks checked off the list have a couple of meetings throughout the day um david if i'm in meetings all day sometimes david will bring me lunch at my desk that happens sometimes um or i'll go out and have lunch with david and lily and then usually about five o'clock i'm really good about five o'clock my day is over and i will leave the studio i'll shut everything down leave the studio and um go cook dinner or we'll go out to dinner or whatever. We just sort of spend the evening. Sometimes we'll watch TV. We don't really have a, a set routine for after work, just whatever comes up. And then I'm usually in bed by like 8.30 or 9 and asleep by 10. I'll lay in bed and read for a while. So that is the glamorous day in the life of Emily Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? You have a toddler. <laughs> so yeah. yours is probably a little different. Yeah, so I think that as of this episode releasing, my toddler will have just turned three. Yay! Yeah. So his name is Fox, and I'll start with the morning. He sleeps with us currently, so... I'm glaring. You can do whatever you want, honey. It's your bed. (laughs) It is what works for us right now. So he sleeps with us, which I actually love, especially during the colder months. We're just little cuddle bugs with each other. It's it's actually really sweet. I love it. So I'll usually wake up around... Well, he'll usually wake up with Jeremy around 630 and I'll hear them go downstairs together and... Jeremy will make him some French toast and get the coffee going. And I'll usually sleep in for another 30 minutes. And whenever I wake up at 7, I come downstairs. My favorite part of my day is coming downstairs and Fox squealing whenever he sees me as if we weren't just sleeping together and cuddling all night. So it's really sweet. And I'll usually grab a cup of coffee and cuddle on the couch with him for about 10 minutes. And then I'll get up and actually start working. So at this point, I'm going through my emails. I'm looking at my tasks and to-dos for the day. I might write something, like if there's something really urgent, like we have a bunch of sales emails to go out, or if we have an agenda for a podcast, like I'm usually looking at my Asana and just seeing what tasks need to be done, and if there are any that I can just knock out really quick in the morning. Um, After that, I will usually get ready. Jeremy's heading out to work. I'll get myself ready. I will get Fox ready for preschool or for his nanny. 
His nanny will usually come pick him up. And at that point, I go to the gym. And so every morning, I lift really heavy weights. My hands are like man hands with calluses on them. Sexy. Um, And I love actually going to this gym because... I can listen to podcasts on the way, which I love doing. And if I'm not going to the gym, I'm usually going on a really long walk. And after that, I'll do some kettlebell swings or something like that. But every morning, that is like my non-negotiable self-care thing that I do for myself. It totally keeps me sane. Um, And then after I work out, I'll get home. I'll make myself something to eat. And which is super important. I'll usually take a shower and get ready. And really, this has taken up a big chunk of my morning at this time. And then after that, I will dive into work. So usually that includes some meetings. That includes a lot of writing, um, especially as we're writing this book. And that's pretty much it. Around 4 or 4.30, Fox will either come home or I'll go pick him up. And then it's just evening hustle, which is dinner. I'm usually the one that cooks. Jeremy's usually the one that does the dishes and the laundry. We're going through all of our daily chores of just taking care of a household and a toddler. It's bath time. Fox still can't fall asleep by himself, so I'm usually laying in bed with him and helping him fall asleep. And that's whenever I get on my Kindle and read my books. So after that, I might watch a little bit of Netflix and chill with my man, drink a (laughs) cup of tea and go to bed. That sounds dreamy. That it really is bad. pretty dreamy. Right? I I love that. I was I've um tasked myself with relooking at my ideal day for the new year and as we're shifting some roles and being boss and how it is that we're going to be spending our days um and I catch myself quite often like going into my ideal day and it not looking really all that different from what my life currently looks like. Like I love that I don't have to commute most days because I will say I kind of wish that like I had an end of day commute, like a time where I could decompress between, you know, the 12 feet it takes me to go from my desk to the kitchen or whatever. That would be handy. Um, but I love that I don't have to commute and that I can stop and have long lunches with my family or that I can work in my PJs and my yoga pants or or whatever it may be that like I like my daily routine pretty well. There are some things I should could maybe I have adjust. an idea for you. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention that I usually do my makeup and get dressed like three out of five days. I do that. I do it probably two out of five days. I think mostly because I really like doing my makeup. Like that's my hobby. <laughs> It is. And you're fantastic. That's my creative outlet. But oh, my idea for you was whenever it comes to decompressing at the end of the day, I know that your word for this year, I'm pretty sure is strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that you're, I mean, I know that that's a lot of different things, but you've talked about wanting to do more yoga. Like what if you had integrated like a yoga routine at the end of your day as I mean, I definitely think getting out of your house and into a yoga studio might be the best way to find that separation. But what if something like that? Or do you prefer to do yoga in the morning? I think I do prefer doing yoga in the evening. And I'm giggling over here because the last time I did go to yoga in the evening, because quite often I'll do it in the morning. Last time I went to yoga in the evening, I pulled in and the car next to me like hit my car like with her door. 
and I was like livid. Like someone had just honked at me like in the parking deck and it was just one of those days where I was really done and I go into yoga and she's sitting next to me. After like, <gasps> right? <laughs> one of those. So it just makes me giggle to think of going to yoga in the evening after I'm already like super wound up. But, um, but yes, so part of my plan um, is certainly – getting yoga in more regularly. And even I I love doing yoga at home. Like that is totally one of my favorite things. And I've thought about one, it would be cool to do it in the studio just because I have really good space to do it. But I also know that I need to get out of the studio and able to, uh, in order to do that. So um, you mean so, like yeah. your home studio? Yes, my home yeah. studio. Uh, but I do like doing yoga here. And I do need to do some more integration of getting that in more regularly because I do go to yoga classes relatively often and we'll just sort of pop a downward dog in the bedroom on occasion. (laughs) 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 But I could definitely make it more of a part of my daily routine. Oh, I wanted to mention my iPhone games because you mentioned two dots. (laughs) I've been obsessed with Color Cube lately. Yeah. It's like different shapes that you have to shift around to create a pattern. And then also Blendoku. Have you played that one? No. Where it's putting colors in the order of their gradient. I mean, these are like graphic designer nerd games that I'm playing over here. (laughs) I love it. I am. So I would love to talk about that for a second. Um, Because I think it's in part of habits and routines. And especially when we get to boundaries in a second. I have one game on my phone. Only one. And it's the kind of game where I get five tries and then I'm done for like an hour and a half. Like I can't try anymore. And um, and it's the kind of game that once you reach some certain level, you have to wait until the next upgrade to get the rest of them. So I'm very like boxed in as to how much time I can spend on this game. And, um, and for me, that has been very important. And like part of keeping my daily routine super productive is um, is keeping it to the one game and also just removing Facebook from my phone, which mm. can be scary for some. I do too much Facebook living to delete it from my phone. Like I recently deleted it from my phone and then I had to reinstall it to Facebook <laughs> Live, which we it. do from the Being Boss Facebook page, not the Being Boss Facebook group, but on the Facebook page. I'm usually popping in on Tuesdays at 1 Central if you guys ever want to hang out with me there but um yeah I definitely just have the two games I do play words with friends with my parents like I'm not gonna play words with friends with strangers but I kind of think of it as how I bond with my parents I love that that's acceptable (laughs) (laughs) all right so we kind of started to get into boundaries a little bit um as far as that delineation between your work day and then your life because you do work from home But I'm curious, when do you feel like your boundaries as a creative entrepreneur are most challenged? I think my boundaries are most challenged whenever I'm really excited about something that I'm working on. Like whenever I have a new project or I'm like knee deep in or neck deep in something that I really want to be doing, but I have these boundaries around, you know, making sure I spend breakfast with my family or dinner with my family or, you know, not working at night or especially on the weekends. But whenever I'm really excited about something that I'm creating, that shit is hard, really hard. So 
Definitely when I'm created or whenever I'm excited about what I'm creating. That's when it's hardest. Otherwise, I have no problem turning it off at five or waiting until nine or 10 to get started. Definitely don't have a problem not working on the weekends. Like that's okay with me. Um, But whenever I'm excited about something, it's really hard to keep me away from work. For sure. You, you know, on that note, for me, I think that I've created such structure and routine around my ideal day. Oh, and I wanted to mention this. We have an ideal day worksheet. If you guys haven't downloaded it yet, it's on our website at www.beingboss.club. I think it's in the sidebar over there. So you'll be able to find it. But um, for me, I think that I have created enough structure and routine around my ideal day that the boundaries are naturally fit into that. But whenever I'm neck deep into something that I'm excited about, like a book, for example, I'm cool with thinking that maybe for three months I'm going to be writing on a Sunday while Fox and Jeremy go down to the in-laws house and me just staying home and working on that. That doesn't really bother me anymore. And I think that's the way that I've evolved as a boss is that I used to be so strict on myself at wanting to be the best boss by making my weekends the weekends and never working past five. But now I'm at the point where if I need to break my own boundaries, I'm cool with it. No big deal. I agree. For special projects, I'm the same way. This past summer, whenever I was uh, creating Rock Your Web Design business, I like I sat down with my family or David specifically, and I was like, "Look, for the next six weeks, I'm going to be busting like 50 hours a week, which is not a normal thing by any means. But for me to get this thing created, it was really important. And I was like, so in order for me to do that, one, like you're going to have to make meals, which ended very soon because David's ideal of, idea of healthy eating is very different from mine. Lots of pizza rolls for lots, six weeks. <laughs> lots of corn dogs and things like that. Um, and I was like, you're going to have to do some cooking. I'm going to be working on the weekends. I'm going to be working on the evenings. And he was totally game. And I did it. And then once the project was done, I went back to my regular routine. Um, but apart from special projects, sometimes I just get really excited about things. And I do have those boundaries in place to keep me from from overdoing it. And not just overdoing it and stepping over boundaries I have with my family, but also with myself. Like, it's it's not as healthy for me to sit here at my computer for that many hours a week ongoing. So I think these boundaries are in place to keep us good on the regular, but I also love the ability to shamelessly break them when and if I want to. Mm. Um, I want to talk about your boundaries and especially around the things that you say no to. Because I know that's something that comes up a lot and we're about to go in or I guess we are in a season of in- intentionally saying no to most things that come up. So I'd love to hear about how it is that you decide what to say yes and what to say no to. Yeah, so for me, I, right now I'm just automatically saying no to everything unless it is a really compelling reason to say yes. So, I mean, even like really great trips that I've wanted to go on with friends, I'm having to say no because we are having to hunker down and do some pretty intense work right now. But also, I need to like hunker down with my family. I did a lot of travel um, apart from my family in 2016. And I know that everyone thinks about like taking time off like the first year to be with a baby. But what I'm starting to realize as Fox gets older, that's whenever I really want to start spending more time with him because he's more impressionable. And so 
I can't be traveling as much like every month as I was before. So for me, it's just really taking a look at what my big picture goals are. Actually, that's my intention for this month is looking at the big picture because I've been so stuck in the minutiae of the daily grind and really even just month to month that I'm not really thinking about the kinds of traditions, and even just the kind of person that I want to be in 5, 10, or 15 years. I am very present with where I'm at in my business, almost to a fault. So I'm starting to really think about the big picture and how these opportunities or events that I'm being offered fit into that big picture of who I want to be. And it just takes a lot of, you know, what you were talking about earlier, mindfulness. And so But basically right now I've just had to kind of get into the autopilot no in order to in order to maintain my boundaries. And I do have like the the I'm really challenged with boundaries around wanting to give all I've got to every single email I get or every single Instagram tag I get. Like I want to be able to engage with our community because I love you guys. But if at some point I don't say no or cut it off somewhere, I'm just going to become spread thin and that's not going to be good for anybody. I agree. I love what you said once about um, about you had made yourself possibly even more available to our community than you were your own kid. And I think that that like that bit of self-awareness is super important and and it's equally as important to like make the adjustments to fix it. Um, and I also like what you said about looking at the intention that you have and using that to shape the actions that you take around whatever it may be. And in this case, it's what you say yes and say no to. Um, That's something that I took into account in 2016. My word of the year was joy. And so I made this very intentional intention of, um, of only saying yes to things that I really wanted to do that I knew would bring me joy and giving myself that, um, that boundary in terms of, um, you know, does it bring me joy or not, made it easy for me to say no to opportunities that came up or even, you know, to emails that rolled in. Like I do have an assistant and it is her job to take care of emails that I don't need to be paying personal attention to. Um, So I think that, I think that's really important is knowing what you want, knowing what it is that you want to cultivate in your life and using that as the boundary to shape the actions that you take. Genius. (laughs) Genius. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our creative wolf pack and our tribe of friends and kind of the way that we network. <laughs> And which is all like very relationship based. So I'm really curious, have there been any relationships that have especially impacted your career? No. <laughs> One with a Miss Kathleen Shannon for oh, sure, what? right? I mean, that's like the I feel like the most obvious one. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of them. I I make it I make it a point to at least once a month, if not two or three times a month, to have Skype calls with people that I have met in the past. Um, and a couple of them are repetitive that we have, you know, sort of standing ongoing meetings or at least you know try to get together um, every couple months or so. And in those relationships are sometimes they're not like the most profitable like your relationship has been very profitable Kathleen I appreciate it a ton (laughs) you're welcome 
right? Some of them are just are just really nurturing um, in other ways. And I think that um, or the people they include are people that I've met at conferences or people that I uh, I hooked up with on Instagram or or things like that, or just sent me a nice email once that really sort of hit home. I think that um, I know that I have several relationships that have been really impactful. Some of them have been people that I've ended up working with, like um, like our lawyer, Autumn Boyd, who um, who is actually a friend of mine. We go have lunch together at least once a month. I think... Um, I think that relationships can be very fruitful on a very business level and or a very personal level. My favorites are those that are both. But um, but yes, relationships have been huge for my business. I always think about there's like I'm going to butcher a saying here, um, but there's like this saying about, you know, it's it's all about who you know. And I think there's like another part of it that leads up to that. But I completely agree with that. And I don't want to be like one of those weird networkers. Like I know some of those people, the people who just like need to meet everyone because they see that as currency. And I don't see it as currency. I don't want to be weird and icky about it. Um, but I do like making connections. And whenever I do make them, I like them to be very nurturing for both of us. Uh, because you never know what's going to happen. And that's something that I feel I have grown into a lot over the past couple of years, especially is you never know where a connection is going to go. Like if I had only imagined, you know, six years ago or whatever, that a couple of blog comments between you and I would turn into a multimedia conglomerate (laughs) (laughs) or like what being boss is becoming, I would have probably shit myself then and there. But um, I didn't. No one told me that. So pants are safe. Um, (laughs) I am very pleased, though, obviously, where this uh, relationship has has taken us. So absolutely. Um, I have multiple relationships with people who have completely and utterly shaped uh, my business and even me personally. And I think that um, making connections like that are certainly pivotal in building a successful business, but also building a successful entrepreneur like and being a, or building a successful and healthy entrepreneur is making those connections and having people to tap for different perspectives or um or to aid you and whatever it is that you need help with or whatever i think relationships are super important yeah totally Right. Um, I feel like I haven't had as much time to cultivate or nurture some of the relationships that I've had as we've gotten more focused into building our business and creating boundaries and also having a toddler. I just I don't know if any of you other parents who have young children can relate, but I feel out of the loop. Like there are times whenever I don't even know what new restaurants have opened. But I do, one of the things I do love about living where I live, as much as I've talked about moving, and I still do, but I do, one of the things I love the most is being able to go anywhere and finding another creative entrepreneur who's making a go in a state where we've just all kind of huddled up together and created a really tight-knit community. Um, That's my favorite thing. And like you said, I think it's cool not knowing where relationships are going to take you and not really going into every single friendship or networking event or opportunity thinking, how can someone make me better? Or how can I turn this into a partnership or a collaboration? I definitely like going into things thinking, conversation first becoming friends second like so I just really want to have good conversations is all 
and get super curious and know someone's story, maybe become friends, maybe not, maybe become great acquaintances, like grab coffee every once in a while. You know, like I definitely felt like earlier in my career, I had to be best friends with every single one of my clients and I had to really like say yes to every coffee date and I think that's where I'm kind of like getting some boundaries now. But I also love about cultivating my wolf pack and my creative tribe. Like I think a lot about just our community that we've created with being boss and going on our trips to New Orleans and Miami. I mean, those have been some of the best moments of my life, truly. And the relationships that have come out of those have been so incredible. So I don't know, just even on a personal note, that's one of my favorite things to do in our work together is cultivate these relationships with people by going on vacation with them. I agree. And I feel like some of those, I mean, they're like genuine connections. Like these are people that like I'm Instagram messaging like funny things because we talked about that one thing once. Like these are definitely relationships that that bloom into beautiful things. Um, something else I want to touch on a little bit with this and almost like the exact opposite of your creative wolf pack is I still love super nurturing relationships that have that with people who don't give a shit what I do <laughs> or, or not that they don't give a shit at what I do, but they're not as aware of who I am professionally, which <laughs> as as being boss grows and grows. And so many of my friends and connections and the people that I run into on the daily are really aware of what it is that I'm creating. I have learned to really appreciate the relationships with people that I have that um, that don't connect with me because I'm a podcaster and I talk about creative business things. I have a couple of friends and some of them are even some of my oldest friends where, you know, we've made a pact where they're not going to listen to the podcast. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Because just because there are people with which I don't want to talk about business. And I feel like Mm. so many creatives or so many entrepreneurs will find that very uncomfortable in the beginning, like this idea that people don't understand what they do or, you know, they don't have anyone to talk business with. And and I know that's a struggle, but I also challenge people to almost keep those relationships intact as they are, because as you do grow and as all of your uh, conversations turned into turn into business conversations, um, you'll find great solace <laughs> in the relationships that don't ever go there. Um, that's something that I have found a whole lot of comfort in over the past year especially is having people with which that I can just shoot the shit and not ever talk about business models with. I love this so much. My best friend is actually my employee over at Braid Creative. She's our creative director and I still go on vacation with her once a year. She doesn't listen to the podcast and I never even really thought about the fact that she doesn't listen to the podcast and I'm not saying for you listeners out there, stop listening if you want to be our friend. That's not the case at all because I certainly have some really great friends who don't miss an episode. Jeremy, my own husband, has listened to every single episode Admittedly, he listens to them at 1.25 speed. <laughs> and I love that he does that. <laughs> uh, so now whenever he listens to us at normal speed, he thinks that we sound sad and dumb. <laughs> 
But um, this is why I love my workout buddies. These are guys that I'm lifting heavy weights with every single day. I spend more time with them than I do with some of my friends or family. And so they've become really close and they're aware of the podcast, but not in the same way that like a creative entrepreneur might be aware of it. Like they're all just doing jujitsu and lifting heavy weights. And I kind of think it's, I don't know, fun to have a little bit of separation there. And I have found the personal professional blend to be more challenging than ever whenever it comes to not talking about work with my friends because I love it. Like sometimes I can't help it. I mean, Emily, even you and I, whenever we go on vacation together, we're talking about work before we even turn the lights on, before we've even brushed our teeth. We're talking <laughs> that about That is work. a true story. Well, and it, like even me, like David is my business partner, like as well as my life partner. So sometimes like legit pillow talk and we try, we have some boundaries around that as well. But it is very fantastic. And like I'm a decade into entrepreneurship. I'm a decade plus into entrepreneurship. And I remember having days in the beginning where I just wish that people understood what I did. And as you do this thing and cultivate your creative tribe, you will have people who understand what you do. And that hole gets filled and you become so much you become so much more appreciative of the relationships that you had before that may have been a struggle whenever you wanted them to understand, but now you can accept and enjoy that they don't. All right, let's talk about money. Do you yes. ever stress out about it? Sometimes, not so much anymore. And that's just, thank God, has come from a decade plus of entrepreneurship and finally finding um, models that work. Um, so I don't have to stress about it very much. But even part of that is because David does all of our money management. David does stress about it sometimes. Sometimes we have conversations about it um, where like actually today, for example, um, for the first quarter of, of 2017 of this year, all of our income is coming from being boss, which has never happened before. I'm not doing anything in indie shopography. We're delivering Rock Your Web Design business, but we're not launching anything. We don't have any clients. So this will be the first time maybe ever since starting Being Boss that we will be relying solely on Being Boss for like our personal income. And that has David's dressing the fuck out. And not because the money's not there. It's just the idea of putting all your eggs in a single basket, which is not something we've had to do in a long time. So he's stressing out about it because it's his job too. And I'm like, shit, it's fine. <laughs> like, it'll all be great. Second quarter will come. We'll relaunch Rock Your Web Design Business and things will be amazing. Um, so even as we've become very comfortable in our revenue streams and we have... Um, uh, we have, you know, income coming in consistently. It is still something as a brand or as a business is stressed about. But because I have personally taken that stress and those responsibilities and delegated them to someone else, I'm usually okay. I also trust the process a lot more than Bean Counter David does. I have, I counted my own beans for a very long time. And I knew that if things ever got low or slow or scary, Holes were always filled. I've never not made ends meet, even whenever like really early in business. So I have the experience of trusting the process a little more than David does, who ended up taking the role whenever a lot of those holes had been filled by me. So um, I have more practice at not stressing, <laughs> I think, than even David does. Um, and I think part of that comes from just 
being in it and doing it. And at this point, having enough revenue streams that if something does have a slow time, I have other things that are doing that are doing good. I definitely freak out about money. (laughs) But here's why. I think that there is something about my personality where I believe if I don't have a sense of urgency or stress or worry around what I'm creating, that it's somehow going to fail. Interesting. Yeah. I probably need to go talk to a therapist. I was going to say, I think you need to talk talk to a therapist about that. But you know what's interesting? Right now I'm reading um, Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating because he worked in like a really high stress job situation where he's creating journalism stories on the news every single day. He had meltdowns on air. He became a drug addict. Like we're just producing one podcast a week. And it's not even live. So um, I was reading his book and he was talking about that same kind of sense of urgency and stress and worry around his job and kind of tying ambition, like tying ambition and stress together. And I think that I have kind of carved out that neural pathway in my brain where ambition and stress are very, very related, like closely related. So I don't know, maybe I need some drugs not cocaine drugs but like <laughs> some some lexapro or something right well this how does anxiety manifest in your body i mean i mean i'm pretty mind body aware i definitely have had stomach problems for yeah. a long time especially as a teenager i would like be nauseous all the time but I've gotten pretty good at being aware enough of my emotions and letting them work out through my body and also by literally sweating out I mean this is why I work out every single day um, to kind of manage some of that I think that if I wasn't aware of my mind body connection and how my emotions were showing up even in my head they would show up in my body a little bit more prevalent like as illness or sickness or disease. Like sometimes I really do worry if I keep stressing like this, I'm going to give myself cancer, which then just gives me another thing to stress out about. Then I'm stressed about stressing. This is the story of my life. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at you. No, I love that you're laughing at me. This is why this is why everyone you need a business bestie, right? Because that's some intense shit. I I think I do like the idea of you going to talk to a therapist about this. Someone who won't laugh at you. (laughs) At least not to your face. (laughs) And, you know, that is something. I have talked to people about anxiety and managing that stuff. But I think it's a part of my personality that is just going to be a part of who I am. And I just have to learn how to manage and cope with it. I'm aware of it. I wish I could change how I am. But what if I changed how I was and we didn't have a podcast? <gasps> Snap. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Done with that one. Um, what do we talk? We talk about money. So you stress about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about how you make it because I, I brought some up something that I want to dive deeper into. And this is like multiple streams of revenue. And even, um, I don't know, like how to build that and what that looks like and why you mm. would want to do that. Because I think this is a this is an important boss topic where having having more than one stream of revenue is how you build security on a whole other level. 
At least I believe Yeah, that. and we did that entire money episode recently, episode number 103, where we talk a lot about pricing and money management. But mm-hmm. I will talk a little bit about how I make money and how I kind of think more entrepreneurially and ph- philosophically about money. But um, I make money at Braid Creative, and I've definitely shifted my focus onto being boss. And I've been putting a lot of attention on that. And that has raised a lot of questions between me and my sister about, do I stay in braid? Do I leave? I'm like, but I created it and I still love it and I'm still super proud of it. And even though I shifted my attention to being boss and now that's making money, I don't want to... It's Okay, here's what's different about working a day job versus being an entrepreneur is working a day job, you go from one job to the next. And I was kind of tempted to follow that model. Like, what if I just went from Braid to being boss, except that I started Braid Creative, I started being boss with you, and I don't think that there's any reason that it has to be either or. I think it can be both and. I also, what a lot of people don't know, is I have a investment property company called Ampersand Properties that I own with my husband. And together we own eight houses. We rent out seven of them. We've paused on that for a minute to save up our cash to hopefully move. So like we are taking actual steps for that. But that's kind of more of like a long-term investment retirement plan. Um, But so I really have those three streams of revenue. And then really long-term, there's stuff like 401ks, Anyway, so like that, those are all the ways that I make money. And I, I'm really comfortable with those three streams. And within those three streams, we have things like one on one services, digital product. We've got our being boss clubhouse. But for the most part, whenever I think about those three buckets, I'm good with that. I don't need another business. I don't need to become like a serial entrepreneur. I would be just spread thin and fried. Right? I love that. And I, I, I do think, I love this, like, um, I, we should start talking to our guests about, like, how many streams of revenue do you have? Um, just to, like, get an idea of what this looks like. Because as, especially as we've grown our team and as I, I talk to friends, um, as we're all, like, growing up and getting jobs and making money and doing things, I think there is some 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 magic involved or some, like, hardcore life money-making strategy that comes into thinking about your um, your life as a business or your life as a model and how, how it is that you make money. I feel like all too often people will get a full-time job and think, okay, this is it. I have my one stream of revenue and I have job security and all of these things. And then you get fired or you get laid off or whatever, and then you're screwed. And I think that... Um, or even like entrepreneurs who have one service and then whenever they don't book that one service... They're not making any money or whatever it is. I think there is so much to be said about about having multiple streams of revenue. I have being boss. I went through the same thing whenever I um, I took my focus off of indie shopography and put it on to being boss. Like, do I let indie shopography just die away? Um, and I was like, shit, no. Like, I've spent six years building a brand. Um, and sure, we don't we change services. We don't offer one on one websites anymore, but we do have the capacity to create. Um, 
create digital products that can replace that. So having Being Boss and Indie Shopography and David and I are um, are always open to some other things. We we do feel like maybe we have some space for something. And when I say we, I mean mostly him <laughs> in terms of something else that we can do to sort of business model our lives um, and make money in a way that is much more secure than that traditional belief that if you get a full-time job and have all your bills paid, then you're good for life because I don't think that works anymore. Um, so I love that multiple streams of revenue are where it is at. I think that's also what stresses me out about money a little bit is that we hang out with a bunch of really wealthy entrepreneurs and I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. (laughs) And I would love to be there. I would love to be a millionaire, but keeping it real guys, I'm not a millionaire. So I think that there's something to be said, too, for just being a working creative. And I kind of miss those days of being happy to just pay my bills. Like, why do I need? Anyway, this is the kind of stuff that I need to, like, work through and maybe not on our podcast. (laughs) Right. Same things. I was um, I was really pissed whenever I turned 30 and not because I turned 30 because I'm totally cool with that. When I turned 30 and I had never been put on a 30 under 30 list. Like, that was my thing, was like, shit, I've wasted 30 years of my life. So um, I agree. I have a couple of those those internal <laughs> wars We can as shoot well. for 40 under 40. Good. I'm down for that. We got 10 years. Let's go. And maybe we can do like a Forbes 40 under 40 list. Let's do it. New goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to do, before we close out this episode, a couple of quick fire questions. Yes. What's your favorite food? Potatoes. Mine is oatmeal. (laughs) Yay carbs. Yay carbs. What's your favorite movie? Probably not a surprise after what I told you earlier. Miss Congeniality is my favorite movie. (laughs) Or maybe like any of the Lord of the Rings, like plus The Hobbit. Like those I could watch over and over. It takes like a month to do it. But um, maybe those. What about you? Um... I think Darjeeling Limited or Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. Oh, God. You're that person? I just learned more about you than I needed to. Really? You don't like Kill Bill? I hated Kill Bill. What? Yeah. We can't be friends. (laughs) Okay. What's your favorite book? Oh, shit. Harry Potter's. And like if I had to pick one, number three. Mm. Mm -hmm. Haven't read them. I know. You're right. We can't be friends. <laughs> Being boss ends here, guys. Um, what about you? Okay, you know what book really just has stuck with me for years? What? I read Stephen King's The Long Walk, and I don't know that it's my favorite book, but it changed me. And I don't know how, but it really impacted me. It's a really short book if you guys want to read it. The Long Walk. That's okay. Terrible. What is your biggest fear? Heights. Oh. Yeah. Pretty sure. Mine is dying and leaving my child motherless and or my child dying and leaving me childless. Not just childless, but without Fox. Love that kid. Oh. I don't want to die and I don't want him to die. That's some That's dark it. shit. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, high five. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again with the therapist over here. Okay, what is your biggest dream or goal? Like wildly improbable, 
goal? Um, dream world peace. Shit, I'm a total pageant girl, aren't I? This is like, <laughs> but legit world peace. Um, but goal is that being boss contributes to that hugely. Mm. Right? Um, I want a talk show. There you go. <laughs> oh, so, okay, that also, I really want to be the next Martha Stewart. Oh. Minus maybe gel, no, definitely minus gel time. But I also really want a talk show with Snoop Dogg or a Snoop Dogg-like character. You know, that jail that she went to is pretty cush. I would oh, not I mind know. hanging out there for a couple of years. And <laughs> I mean, most of it was actually like house arrest, which also, especially if you're Martha Stewart, is not going to be dull by any means. You're going to have plenty of crafts to do. <laughs> Man. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope that you guys have gotten to know us a little bit better today. For better or worse. (laughs) (laughs) This is who we are. So hopefully you can take even more understanding to all the shit we say in our podcast. Enjoy. World peace. All right, you guys, I live and die by my Google Calendar. If an event, date, or meeting doesn't make it into my calendar, it is definitely not happening. But I noticed over the past year, my calendar has been filled to the brim with meetings. There is no space to actually do the work. Even when I would block off time for myself, I would inevitably fill that space with another meeting. I was having a really hard time sticking to my boundaries, and that's when I finally set up Acuity Scheduling to help me hold myself accountable to my own rules. When someone wants to book a meeting or a coffee date with me, I simply send them my availability with a link to my Acuity calendar. They book an appointment when I make myself available, and that is that. Acuity helps me keep my own appointments with myself just as important as those with other people. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club slash clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. Our graphic designer, Jessica Bramlett. And our bean counter, David Austin. With support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.